Happy New Year, team. Bit of a bonus show here. The usual show will kick off again this weekend. We're going to do a uh, recap of the year from last year and what our goals are going to be for this year. Um, just a heads up, this bonus show, it's more coaching and um, sort of just hearing from one of my um, martial arts coaches from over the years. And uh, if you're not into the uh, the combat sports chat that we have, um, probably don't listen to this one because there's a lot of talk about that and don't unsubscribe and we'll be back with the running show next week. We do talk a bit of running, but uh, the bonus shows with a guy called Steve Robbo Robinson. If you listen to episode three, where I um, talked about when I won the, the first state title, he was my coach at the time. And um, he was a guy that I met around 2008. Yeah, I found the gym that he runs at Redcliffe and I was going through a bit of a uh, rough patch at the time. One of my best friends had been killed on a motorbike and I was in a bit of a hole. I'd gotten pretty unfit and I wasn't looking after myself. And then when I found the gym, it just gave me purpose again. And I got myself back in good shape, back into a good mental state. That was all, all down to, to Robbo, the owner of the gym. So I thought it would be a good thing to get him in for a chat. Both Robbo and myself love a good chat. So we did go on a bit, but... um. Yeah, if you keep listening, you'll you'll take a lot out of it. So um, we'll catch you next week with a normal show, but enjoy this one, team. Cheers. So welcome to the show, Steve Robbo Robinson. Cheers, thanks, Steve. Good to be here. Good to, good to chat to you. Yeah, mate. Well, if you've listened to, I think it was episode three or four, where I talked about winning the first um, Queensland title. Uh, Robbo was my coach that I spoke about in that episode, and I just thought it'd be great to get him on as he's a been a coach for, oh, how long have you been coaching for? Oh, probably the best part of 20 odd years. Yeah. Yeah. And, and a lot of like, um, the martial arts coaching, the fighting coaching, it, it's so similar to, um, running. I thought a lot of the listeners, they might take a few things away from it, especially when it comes to dealing with, um, like pre-competition nerves and stuff like that, but we'll, We'll get into all that stuff later. Sounds good. So everyone has their own story on how they found their way into like a martial arts dojo or a boxing gym or whatever. Like, how did you find martial arts? Um, I was introduced by a friend that um, just sort of uh, very vaguely, and I thought I'd go along and have a have a look, and um, sort of thought to myself, "Hey, look, this looks all right." You know, and this is after the uh, release of Karate Kid, the movie, um, and a few things back in the 80s. And I'd done some boxing in the 80s. And uh, then I sort of come across sort of the, the the freestyle martial arts. I thought, you know what, I could I could do this, you know. Um, I like punching people. And I liked, uh, had a bit of a temper as a kid. And I uh, thought uh, this might help me control a little bit of that. Yeah, bit of discipline. <laughs> so, yeah, I, so I got into that. And then, um, uh, you know, went along and started training and found a whole heap of people I already knew from school and around playing footy and all that kind, kind of thing were already involved in, in the martial arts. And I thought, hey, you know, I've, I've sort of found a home here that uh, sort of felt, found my tribe, so to speak. And, um, and then just yeah, couldn't, couldn't stop me from there. So was that North Queensland or in Brisbane? No, no, that was uh, up the Sunshine Coast. That was in Gympie oh, okay, yep. originally. So I started uh, training in Gympie, um, but would travel the Sunshine Coast and train with 
funnily enough, one of your old trainers, um, Joe Hilton yeah. um, and, and the Sunshine Coast Thai boxing and uh, back before they were as big as they are. Um, back in the Zendu Kai Zendu era. Kai yeah. era, that's it. And um, but I'd travel all over Southeast Queensland. So I'd train up in Harvey Bay and Meriburra and Gympie and Nambour, Maroochydore. I'd come down to Brisbane and train with a couple of mates of mine down here. We, you're talking sort of like 1980s, 1990s at this period, eh? Yeah, that's it. So and back in back in them days, like th- that was your yeah, MMA of today was Zendu Kai and stuff like that, wasn't it? Like that's maybe it. kickboxing yeah. was maybe starting a little bit, but you're talking like like tough guys, eh? Yeah, from yeah. way Look, back in '84, I think it was '85. I walked into uh, the PCYC down at Logan, so back in Woodridge, down in uh, the good side of town. That's where I grew up. So I learned how to fight and and uh, and um, those kind of things. Um, and it was it was tough stuff. Like just walking down the street, you get chased and beaten up by uh, anyone because that's what the era was like. Um, and when I started martial arts, I'd moved up to Gympie. I started uh, Zendo Kai in 1990. And um, it was still pretty tough guy stuff. You know, we... Uh, it wasn't a training session unless you turned, you, you came home with a, you know, something broken, something Bloody bleeding, nice. something yeah. bruised. Um, and it was just the way it was. And no one questioned it. We didn't question that this is how you trained. And we just kept turning up all the time, which is something I don't get any anymore these days. It's it's not quite like that. But um, yeah, it was, it was a very, it was a lot harder time. And I'm, I'm, I'm happy that it wasn't earlier. I know the seventies and early eighties, were a lot more um, uh, violent, let's put it that way, just in the street as well as in in training facilities. But yeah, it was a good era to grow up in. I learned some really uh, tough lessons, um, you know, physically tough, mentally tough, uh, emotionally tough. And um, yeah, it was really worthwhile. Um, and I've tried to bring that through and I still am pretty tough training, as you'll attest to. I never gave anyone anything. I've never um, never built anyone up telling them they're any better than what I think they are, you know, or, or what they prove. Yep. No one ever got a participation trophy for uh, for turning up. So, um, so yeah, that, that were the uh, that were the early years of my martial arts. Um, but I loved it, you know. I think um, I started training karate in 1990. Uh, kickboxing was around, uh, there wasn't Muay Thai back in those days. It was very, very rare to find Muay Thai in Australia at that stage. And, um, I started training kickboxing, which was only an hour or two after, um, karate training two or three times a week. And then I jumped in the kickboxing ring. So, um, 30 years ago or a little bit over 30 years ago, nearly 31 years ago, I had my first kickboxing fight at the Malula Bar Hotel. So the sunny coast days, and they were they were uh, rough nights. Um, Lillipar Hotel. <laughs> the, the, it was funny because um, uh, Roger and Joe Hilton put those shows on back in those days, and um, because my instructor and them were very close, we'd actually do the security for the shows and everything else. So I'd be walk, working on the front door with a number of other guys. And then uh, someone would point to you and go, Hey, go out the back. You're fighting in two fights. So um, you'd, you'd go out the back, wrap, wrap your hands. You go jump in there, have a fight, win, or lose. Doesn't matter. Two fights. You, you get changed. Then next thing you know, you're back on the door working, you know, 
and people would walk through the door and go, oh, good fight or, oh, you fucked that up or whatever. <laughs> <laughs> and you'd nearly get into another fight on the door. But, um, you know, so I guess there's, there's some good stories about throwing people out and and that kind of thing back in those days. Oh, certainly changed uh, now. It was, it? it was certainly, um, it was it was quite, uh, it was quite rough, let, let's put it that way. Yeah, I mean... The Sunshine Coast, like I've heard some, it's a bit before my time, but I've heard some stories about that Malula Bar pub. Apparently on a Sunday, they used to have some pretty wild like day sessions and yeah, it's, stories about people getting chucked over fences and through windows and stuff. It's, yeah, I can imagine what it was like after a kickboxing show. Yeah, well, we um, we go down there, all the Zendokai guys, because back in the day, Zendokai on the coast was huge. So what... You you were competing doing the um the karate the zendu kai a bit of kickboxing. What stage did you start your own gym? Well, you know, there's I've always in in all of my endeavors, I've always tried to find the evolution of something. I want to wring it dry. You know, it's it'd be like you running. You know, you're running. You'd run one race and go, oh well, I've run a race. But you want to do more. And you want to wring it dry. You want to get every ounce of everything out of that of that experience. And if I've ran here, well, if I run there, or if I yeah. go to that marathon there, or I do a half marathon there, or I, you know, you want to, you want to wring that experience dry. So I, um, you know, I, I got my black belt in 1992, I think it was. And um, then the evolution from that is to uh, run your own club. So I opened my own club in 97, I think in Gympie. So that's nearly, that's 25 years ago. So since then, I've sort of been teaching people and then um, moved to Brisbane in 2000, kept running clubs from there. And, uh, you know, I was running a club out of a PCYC and a CWA hall. And so you turn up and then they go, no, you can't use the hall tonight. We've got a special ladies quilting thing going on. Yeah. <laughs> and so I went, I've had enough of this. And and I had some, uh, had a, a, a another business that was quite successful at the time um, in the building game. So I decided that um, between the building game and my martial arts, I could, I could go and rent a big shed, which, which back in 2005, there might've been maybe, I wouldn't even think there was six, uh, you know, half a dozen other people doing that kind of stuff back in that day, those days. And everyone said, it won't last. It won't last. You won't be able to afford it. You can't afford it. I was lucky because I had the um, building building a company that could um, pay for most of it. <laughs> so <laughs> you'd yeah. remember me, uh, yeah. you know, all my, all my uh, building gear in the car park of the shed when we started training. And um, so I just went, you know, I'm sick and tired of getting pushed out of halls training and I want to do training when I feel like it. So found a, found a shed and um, we then, um, yeah, kicked it off in 2005. Was that in Redcliffe? Yeah, that was in Redcliffe, just uh, Gomisal Street, where you would have started training with me. Yeah, across from the uh, the racetrack. Yeah. So we had a we had a place there, and then a few years later, I moved to that next door place because it was bigger. And then we, you know, up the alley from where that second gym was, there was some sheds for rent. So we opened up a couple more there and had a few fight shows in there, and um, you know, and all of those kind of things. You know, actually, I was only thinking about this the other day. You know. Locky, or they call they they call him Rocky Ogden. Oh yeah, yeah. He fought he on fought. His, his, his first 
his first fight in that was on my show. Yeah, in that yeah. little shed. And he just won an Australian WC title. Yeah, you think of what he's done now. He's won MMA fights. Yeah. He's on the radar of the UFC. Just won the Australian bo- professional boxing title on a matchroom boxing show. Yeah. It's like a superstar. It's funny. Well, yeah. well, you have a look at it. Um, you know, I'm I've been in the unique situation. As I said, wringing it dry is what I love to do. I live by that philosophy of ringing, getting something and wringing it dry. So there's nothing left. And I've, I would have taught you back when we were training that, um, you know, you have that, um, what I call the rocking chair theory. I didn't invent it. Someone else came up with it, but imagine yourself at 80 or 90 years old, sitting on your rocking chair on the front porch, thinking back at your life and think to yourself, Oh, well, I did this. I did everything I possibly could in this area. Um, I didn't let any, chance go to waste i i tried it i rang it dry you know rather than um people sitting there that would say oh i could have done that if i only tried or if i only if 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 the world you know made it possible for me but the only way the world's going to make it possible for you is if you get up off your bum and kick yourself in the ass and friggin' do it because no one else is going to make it happen yeah yeah and if you'd actually listen to that um episode three or four when I talk about winning that Queensland title, when that fight was offered to me, you actually said to me, do you want to do it? And I was like, oh, I'm not sure. I think it's like too hard a matchup. (laughs) And you said like, you've just got to have a go. Like you can't live like, and I remember I went home and I was laying in bed thinking, I'm going to regret this if I don't have a shot. Like, and I was thinking if I lose, at least I can say I had a go That's it. at the very least. And then went up there and won. So yeah. it just, sometimes you've got to just have a crack. You and do. It pays off. You know, so, but going back to, you've mentioned Lockie, um, you know, the evolution of um, running a gym. And then we started putting on fight shows about 2010. That was the next step in, in doing that. And we had so many fighters out of our gym, you included. You probably headlined the, the fighters out of the gym at the time. And, um, and the evolution was to run fight shows. And we had all those shows and I think, um, and there's a whole heap of guys that I promoted on my fight shows for their first and second and third fight that are now world title holders and all the rest I of thought, it. I just so thought Chad Collins, yeah, yeah, Chad yeah, yeah, Collins yeah. Uh, Jake Lund, you know, yeah. Jake Fort George just the other week yeah, um, for a WBC diamond title, um, yeah. you know, and, and, and a whole heap of other people that I've, that I've, you know, just had the privilege of rubbing shoulders with, you know, being a promoter and being involved in martial arts, you know. Um, it's crazy. It's you don't really, like, especially when you sort of get to that sort of higher level of competition in, in Thai boxing and anything, I sort of find with martial arts in general, you don't really come across too many assholes, do you? Um, no, not really. I think after a point in time, most people understand what ego is. Um, ego is something that you need that gives you the momentum to do something, to prove yourself. But um, if you're wise, you understand that that's how you use ego. When you're young, you've got this ego and you don't know what to do with it and, and you turn it, it turn into an asshole, yeah. you know, really, until you develop something or understand it differently. And, and that's where... Any discipline, whether it's martial arts, whether it's running, whether it's football, whether it's something, um, you've got to work through a stage of understanding that it's, 
you know, I'm blessed rather than I deserve it. Yeah. You know, and, um, and I look at it that, you know, I've, I've fought, I competed back when I started martial arts, kickboxing shows were very rare. It might've been three or four or five, maybe a year, you know, Malcolm Anderson did them in Brisbane, Roger and Joe did them up the coast. There was a few other promoters here and there down the coast, you know, um, Blair, Blair Moore put them on a few other people. And there wasn't very many around, but there was lots of tournaments. We had lots of martial arts tournaments. So I'd be in a tournament every month, you know, and you'd go in there and you compete sparring and, and weaponry and you'd, and you'd do carters and all that for martial arts. And um, I had an ego that I, you know, oh, I'm good at here. But after a while you understand, well, you know, the more I learn, the more I realize I don't, I don't know anything really. Yeah. yeah. And, um, you know, 30, 30 plus years of martial arts now. And I'm still thinking to myself, I'm just a white belt, you know, yeah. I'm just a beginner. You think, you know, but you really only know this much <laughs> of like a world of knowledge. Eh? Like it's just always evolving. It's always changing, you know, as well. Another thing, like the, the theories behind different training styles changes, like it just, you know, like these fads come in with. It's quite, yeah, yeah. it's quite funny. Um, you know, and you remember this and most of your listeners will remember this, you know, over the years, you know, we've been taught by the medical profession or the health people, you know, milk was good for you. Then milk was bad for you. Then milk was good for you. Then milk was bad for you, yeah. you know, and, and it changes all the time. And as you say, when I started training martial arts, um, it really was uh, when I, I can remember my first fight um, and training up to that was I'd do about maybe an hour after karate training. And then I'd go for a run for about an hour. I used to love running too. when I, when I had knees that work properly, but um, you know, we just, it, it, the training was just, you know, getting there and punching kick. That was, that was kind of it. And then it evolve and it evolve. And you know, you know, from when you were fighting under me, how much I'd try to get into your head. It was a psychology. It wasn't even about really training. It wasn't about punching and kicking. You know how to punch and kick. Yeah. It, was, it was more so how to control your emotions, how to control the adrenaline, how to control yourself. Yeah. Um, There's a lot of, a lot, um, you know, a lot of, a lot of the physical stuff. What I'm trying to say is already there. It's the psychological yeah, there's stuff. There's only so fit you can be. Hey, you can be once you get to that level of fitness, you're not going to get any fitter. No, that's the right. rest of it is all just being calm and relaxed. And I think someone who just seems to get that right every time he fights is Jake Lund. Like he just always seems to be so calm, so relaxed that everything he does just flows because yeah. he's not stressing and he doesn't seem anxious. Like it's just nice to watch. Well, Jake's a funny, funny character. As you know, um, uh, Liam fought him. It was Liam's third fight, Jake's third fight. And they drew at the Redcliffe, at the Redcliffe. Uh, yeah, Redcliffe. Yeah, yeah. 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 What was that? Maybe 2012. Yeah, 10, yeah, 12, 11, tw 2011, 2000. So it'd be no, it was before it was maybe 2009 because Liam fought on the same night that I won the Queensland title and he'd had five fights by then, I think. Right. So yep. it would have been maybe 2009. Your, your memory yeah. might be better then because <laughs> I, I tell you what, I, I can't keep track of it all. But, you know, I've refereed, oh, we'll get to the, the evolution yeah. of why I've yep. refereed, but I've refereed um, Jake a couple of times. And he's, um, he's one of these athletes that has learned how he's got an ego, but learns how to control it. And just his 
presence as he sort of walks into the ring. He he um, has learned how to control that so well that everyone just stops and looks at him, you know. And there's some people that you see that have learned how to do that, um, and it's in all kinds of in in all kinds of different um, genres, all kinds of different things. Where you'll be sitting down in a meeting room and someone will walk in the room and you'll feel their energy, you'll feel and understand that hey, this person's important, you know, yeah. or something like yeah. that, you know. And when you've when you're able to manage to control mentally what's going on in there in your ego and everything else. I think that's where true success comes. Yeah. Spot on. But um, yeah. So yeah, look, it's, it's quite a, um, we go back. I'm oh, sorry. I'll go back to that evolution comment, you know, and you asked about starting a gym. So we started the gym in 2005 um, and you were a big part of that throughout. I think you come and started training with me about 2008, 2009. Was that? Yeah. Around 2008. I think it was, it yeah. was, um, yeah. When I started the Thai box, the karate classes were massive as, as usual. They still are yeah. to this day, I think, but yeah, they're still pretty good. Thai boxing wasn't that well attended, but then once we got the, I had like one fight. Cause I didn't really, I was, I thought I was too old then I would have been about 29, 28, 29. And, um, Steve said to me, I think you should have a fight. Just do it once just to show the boys that it can be done. And, uh, I think if you do, then a few of the other guys that were starting to get pretty good coming through, they might jump in there and have a go as well. And then that was kind of how it started. One, yeah. <laughs> it was me, Nathan and Blake That's it. and we all won which was a real shock to everyone, not so much a shock to us, but the other gyms just figured out oh, like, who are these guys? Like yeah. we're going to tell them up and we, we won all, all of us won. And then that was kind of the start of like a snowballing. It was, we just, yeah. and, and, and we've talked about this, I think on the podcast, but when you've got a good group of guys that sort of like, feed uh, off each other, yeah, you start to get successful and that just seems to breed more success. And then you see it with gyms, they like can be really successful. And then you don't sort of hear from them for a bit. And when you kind of look into it, they had a good group of fighters. And when those group of fighters kind of, you know, got too old, retired or whatever, they always have a lull where the next sort of generation is training up. And I think that's in, that's in everything though. You know, you'd see that in running, you'd see that in, in, in all kinds of things, see it in the football, you know, the, the uh, Broncos a few years ago going really well. They had a few people retire. Now, now they're on the bottom of the ladder, you know, that down there. Um, yeah. Look, before you came along, I had some fighters, you know, that had have one or two fights and no one really got into it. No one really. Um, and I think as a, I was a younger trainer, obviously I was only, you know, 30 at the time. And um, I didn't really know how to motivate them enough or, did I really have the time to, or didn't understand it? So I did a lot of, um, let's say personal development in regards to training and teaching. And I did my, you know, personal training course and I've done a life coaching course and I've done all those uh, diplomas and, and, and whatever else to sort of give me a bit of an understanding of how to motivate people. I'd had a few guys that had, that had fought and had a few fights to, to some degree of success and not, you know, and then when you came along and I went, you know what, it, it, you guys, yourself, and, and as you said, named a few others that really had some, um, 
something that I thought, you know what, I, I can see something here. And and look, to the success of it was probably based on you um, motivating the boys to get out and go for a run beforehand, yeah. um, to to push and push. And, you know, there was a stage there and I and I could see it in you where you were unstoppable. You know, I'd tell you to do so. I'd have a shit of a time trying to con you into having a fight or or whatever else because you were the you were so ritualistic in in so many things which we could go into if you want to but um but you know and then that started but like you said a good team and surrounding yourself by motivated core people um will make anyone successful you know so if you wanted to be financially well to do you know and you if you hang around some of the, the the smartest business people it'll only only rub off it can't do it it's got to rub off um and so when we had the gym there it was yourself and and nathan was floating around and and blake uh liam jacob um i I start forgetting the names honestly lockie mitch lockie yeah uh marie was really good as well um lucas yeah lucas funnily enough lucas is training jake now yeah 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 so (laughs) But, um, you know, look, we had a great core bunch of, of people that were really fighting. And we had, um, uh, and re- you remember what I used to teach us? I used to say to you is every week, I'd say train every week like you're fighting every weekend. And we, it literally was, I'd get a phone call um, and I'd, and, you know, I remember one of Mitch's title, Mitch's first title at Metro anyway. And I get a phone call and go, have you got anyone at 69 kilos that could fight for a title? You know, and I don't think you were training as much at the time. I think it was around my wedding. I might have even been you just, might have just been, about yeah. to go to Bali so to I get said married. To, so I said to Mitch, I rang him up and I said, Mitch, uh, I've got a fight for you. He goes, oh, yeah, what about? He says, oh, it's in three weeks. He goes, oh, yeah, right. Yeah. I didn't tell him <laughs> much. Been training. I just yeah. said, come on in. I reckon you can take this, you know. And then, you know, a week in the train, I said, oh, it's actually for a title, mate. And he looked at me and I said, who cares? Don't worry about it. I don't yeah. care what it is. You just get in there and fight. Who cares? You know, don't put any other other thing on it except for if you like to fight, fight. If you like to run, run. Don't worry about whether or not you win the first place or you win the title or not. If you like to do something, do it. That that in itself is success. Yeah. You know, because if if you don't do what you want to do, you'll never find out what you're capable of doing or what you can do. Yeah, 100%. I can say that with like certainty that the Thai boxing, my like time Thai boxing or kickboxing, whatever was the only thing in my life that I can actually satisfiably say that I gave it everything I had, you know, like I gave it everything in training in the ring. I gave every last drop of energy I had to try and win. Even if I lost, I still you know, thought it was possible to win and tried to win. And I can't really say that for anything else in my life. Like I could have done better with when, when I was running as a kid, I, I, you know, I just got a bit slack and a bit lazy. And then even with work, you know, just sort of go through the motions with work and, but with the tie boxing, I actually gave it every, and then the, the fact I can sort of, you know, live with that forever, knowing that I really gave it everything. Like you were saying earlier, you know, that rocking chair moment, yep. you can, I can sit back now and think I did well, won some, lost some, but every time I tried as hard as I could. Yeah. And yeah, that's, 
that's the most important thing. If you lose, it doesn't matter. If you gave it everything, you still won. You know, I mean, that's the discipline that you that you learn in martial arts. You know, um, and like you said, you know, if you lose some and you win some, and you know you've given everything, takes me back to that um, Caloundra fight show where Josh fought. And I don't know if you remember Josh and Liam fought or something that night. Might have been Liam fought and lost, I think. Josh fought and won. Anyway, you guys are out the back, you know, congratulating Josh. And I came out, ripped him a new one because he fought like a dog. He just fought. His opponent was second rate. He shouldn't have fought that guy and he should have eaten him alive. But Josh lost his discipline. He kept his hands down. He was showboating. He was mucking around. He was being silly. And I was absolutely wild with him. I said, you, I don't care that you won. I remember you saying, oh, go easy, Rob. I won the fight. (laughs) And that wasn't the point, though. Yeah. Point was was that that fight, if he looks back at that seriously without the ego and he looks at it, you know, and really tries to delve into that, he'll go, that was a shit fight. Even though he won, he won. The winning's not the thing. It's it's the fact that he didn't discipline himself. He didn't do what he should have done. He he dropped his guard. He showboated. He carried on to a guy that, yeah, he didn't deserve to fight him because that guy was was hopeless. But should have walked. It didn't show yeah. didn't show respect to that guy either for all his hard work and his training. Um, and so I'm I'm pretty big on that now. Even now, you know, um, that I that I. I don't care what the result is, but as long as you give it a hundred percent, I teach that to my kids. I teach it at training. Um, I try so hard to live by it. You know, Um, it's this funny. I look in, looking behind you there at all the trophies. You must've just got them out and dusted the cobwebs off. Yeah, I did. I got them out and the belts out because they've been hidden in the bloody cupboard for so long. I thought I've got to get them out. Yeah. But look, that's, that's the stuff that you can show your kids that you can go, you know, whatever, you know, this is, this is what I achieved. And not only just for you, but for you as a parent now, two boys to go, you can achieve anything you want. You, if you dedicate yourself to anything, it doesn't have to be Muay Thai. It doesn't have to be karate. It doesn't have to be running. It can be anything because the philosophy is the same. You've got to discipline yourself to go, you know what? It's raining this morning. (laughs) It's nice and warm in bed here, but you know what? I've got to get up and I've got to run, you know, or, or, you know, I've got to go play tennis or whatever. Got to go yeah. play. I've got to go do those laps in the pool. Yeah. You know, I've got to go and practice three hours of, of vocal lessons to be a singer. You know, I've got to go, go practice my dancing, whatever it is. It doesn't really matter. And when you look at, you know, so big now on TV is, you know, um, the talent shows. I, I don't watch a lot of TV, so I can't remember what they're called, but, you know, Australia's got talents and, and, and all of those. Yeah. And you look on there and you see the people and you can see someone that just gives it everything when they're belting out a song and they're singing, they could be off pitch. They could be all over the place, but they're giving it a hundred percent. And when you find that person that gives it a hundred percent and has that little bit of talent, you go, Oh, that's what we need. And I think that's what I saw in you when you started coming into the gym, because I, you know, I was still developing myself as a trainer and, um, and I thought there's something here, and it, it, you inspired me then to actually put my head down and go, how do I actually help this guy that I think's friggin' really good? 
and it attracted all these other good fighters. I remember we'd go to a fight show with five and six people. We'd walk away with five or six wins, five or six yeah. wins. Grant Sellen used to say, what the frigging hell are you guys doing over there? You know, because we'd walk away with five or six wins yeah. and, and we'd, and I'd always downplay it all. I'd go, Oh, I don't know, mate. We're just lucky. You know, but I know we worked out. We try, yeah. I trained the asses off his, you know, um, and what made me feel even more, uh, I, I suppose, helped me understand that is, is that not only the results we had in the ring, but also in the club and then watching the boys and what they did outside of the gym, you know, because they had that discipline that, you know, we were trying, yeah. I was trying to instill in them, you know. It, it saves lives. It does. Oh. Like, it, you know, you've got young, troubled guys come in the gym and they've got no discipline, no respect. And within a couple of months, they're saying please and thank you, and yeah. you know oh, they've, they've had the they've had the ego humbled out of them a few yeah, times. And that's, but that's what some of them need, eh? That's what most people need. It's just well, I remember back in those days, you know, like and you'll remember, you'll remember, you know, someone would come in and and start big noting themselves, and I'd have to put my gloves and my shin guards on, and I'd think, oh, damn, this is going to hurt me, but. Uh, I had an ego that I had to prove to everyone that I, that I could do what yeah. I'm telling you guys to do. And I don't know if you remember for the first few years when you were training, before you jumped in any fight a week or two before I'd jump in the ring with you and go toe to toe with you. And I'd just give it everything I got. Cause I, I went for broke. I wasn't fit, but mentally I thought I've got to get it up yeah. over these boys because what they're going to face in a week or two's time yeah. um, is going to be worse than this. Um, you know, I think you were doing that quite a bit until like one night you did that. And then we just heard this like scream and you were laying on the floor and you just completely snapped your knee. Yeah. That was, uh, that was some troubling times. The old snapping of the ACL. Um, I was on the floor in a bag of pain. Let me tell you. And you've ended up having both knees done. Yeah. I've had yeah. Both knees done. And one of them is probably due again because, uh, it's been probably eight, nine years now, and it just uh, hasn't. Oh, and I've had a good run out of it, but I haven't eased up on it at all. I'm yeah. not gonna, you know, I'm not gonna uh, stand back and go no and use my knee as an excuse. Even at the point, I think it was about four or five years ago, I jumped back in the ring. So, oh yeah, I went yeah, back in there yeah. because again, for the same purpose of if I'm telling you guys to do something, um, I've got to walk the talk, you know. And if I don't get in there and train and push myself and prove myself, um, no one's going to respect me, especially when there's a new breed of guys. So you talked about the up and down or the ebb and flow of people in the gym. You know, we had a whole good bunch of group of guys there training, really training a lot. Some guys came, some guys went, but um, yeah, we've had these ebb and flows in the gym and we've had that whole bunch of guys from the, uh, 2008 to sort of 2004. 13, 14, I think. Yeah. Five or six years was brilliant. And then you guys, a few of you retired and a few of you this and that. And then, um, you know, we moved gyms and we did this and this. And I had a bit of a personal marriage situation and um, dramas that threw all that around. And I've built the gym up and built it. And then it's dropped down again and built it up and dropped down. And COVID's obviously hit us something fierce. And, um, and, what did you do through COVID? You just, did you have to just shut? Well, we had shutdowns. I think I shut down three or four times for, uh, you know, two weeks, three weeks, four weeks, but over two years, I lost nearly 50 K 
is keeping the gym open, oh, you know, God. yeah. Um, because I moved into a bigger space too prior to COVID, expecting it to explode because the because the numbers were exploding in the gym and everything was going really good. COVID came and overnight just closed the doors. Um, it really did rock me and I and it nearly sent me to the wall financially from a business point of view. Uh, it did challenge me a little bit psychologically, um, along with a lot of other people, mind you. So um yeah, I think it um it affected just about everyone uh, psychologically. Like yeah. and I think those effects are gonna be well seen for another 10, 15 years yet. Yeah. You know, um, so anyway, we managed to get through that period. I downsized again and then you know, some of the things that I, that wasn't working, you know, the MMA classes were really good at that point in time, back in the day when we had guys fighting all over the place, MMA, and I was training them and that was good too, but we've cut back on a few things now and I'm looking forward to building up in the next couple of years again. So, so you started refereeing and um, like you're refereeing Thai boxing and MMA and you're probably one of the most popular like referees for Thai boxing and MMA going at the moment, like you're on all the big local promotions. Yeah. I'm how, pretty lucky. How did though. that, how did that start? Well, back early, say late two thousands, must've been 2007, eight, nine, alongside the Muay Thai classes and kickboxing we we're doing, I was doing a lot of karate tournaments. So I promoted a few tournaments and I was refereeing those tournaments and everything else. And then I was, uh, invited to referee at a few other shows, just uh, little shows. And then I uh, got involved with the uh, the girls at Ignition and um, started refereeing and doing all of those shows. Um, and then, you know, do do a training class and whatever else. And, and just the sheer fact that I'm still here doing it 20 years later, um, a good 10 years of refereeing and then um, – tied up with WKBF there for a long time and I'm still am. So on Ian's show. So now I'm, I'm the head ref there and the head official. Um, and then I've gotten involved with WBC and, and everybody. So I ref, you know, I ref WKBF, I ref and judge at WBC. Um, and because we had a, a long MMA uh, history with some of our fighters there and I knew and established connections with all of the guys there. I got involved in the, in the, um, in the background with the MMA officialing. Um, and so now I do the, the refing and judging at, um, at some of those events and some of those events are now, you know, streamed on UFC fight pass and, yeah, um, that's XFC, and all, isn't it? Uh, no, that's, uh, eternal down eternal. the coast. Okay. Yep. So, um, yeah, and, and just for the sheer fact that I've been around involved in it all fairly heavily for at least 20 years, um, the MMA and the, and the Muay Thai sort of, yeah, gets, gets there. What's the best fight you can think of off the top of your head <laughs> at Thai boxing that you've that – because you, oh, I yeah. say that being a referee is like being in the fight, but you just don't get hit. It it's is, the best, the best seat is, in the house. It is so exhilarating um in a good fight so the best one that i can come back to is um the final at the oh no it wasn't even the final sorry it was a fight between daniel Velasaga and uh gokan turklamaz oh yeah yeah for the tough man competition down oh, at yeah. gold coast carrara yeah back in i uh, 
I don't even know. Like Maybe four, five, six yeah. years ago. Yeah, four or five years ago. Yeah, I'm not like, sure. 2018, yeah. 17, 16. I'm not sure. Um, and and literally that place had probably be, be at least 10,000 10, people in there. Oh, well, felt like it probably yeah. wasn't, but it, but you know, there was probably Massive 40 crowd. or 50 tables around the ring. And then the, then the stadium was full. Um, everybody was on their feet screaming. Um, these two guys are just going head to head, punching each other in the head. And, and I could feel my teeth rattling. That's how, that's how intense everyone was screaming. The bells go, I couldn't even hear the bell, you know, yeah. like it was just so intense. And, and every ounce here is just tingling. Like the, it, it's just so, uh, yeah, it's just incredible, you know, to, um, to be in that. It's really good when you're, when you're refereeing professional fighters, they know their job, they know the rules. You're just basically standing back and stopping it, starting and stopping the round. Really. That's about yeah. it. Yeah. I've, I've had to do a lot of the grunt work with amateurs, which don't know the rules, don't know what they're doing, you know, do all the illegal moves or they don't understand, or they kick each other in the groin or they're, you know, you call, um, you call break and they just yeah, keep going. Yeah. Like, and yeah. that's hard work. That's really hard work. Um, because you, you, you're nonstop all the time. Um, but you know, look, I love it. I, I've, because I've gotten so much out of martial arts myself. Um, I love being involved in it, but I love giving back. Yeah. You know? yep. And that's, um, there's a, there's a guy, um, um, seven habits of highly effective people, a book by Steve Covey. I don't know. I probably would have told you years ago to read the bloody thing anyway. And it's, and it, there's, there's some really good things in there, but he also put out a eighth book and the eighth book is about leaving a legacy. So it's good for people to be able to be successful in an area of, it doesn't really matter what it is, but if you die with that knowledge and you don't pass that on, that's just a waste. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? So we can look around today um, in society and we can see how much we don't have anymore. So my background in the building industry is a bricklayer. And when I went to college back in 1990, 1989, 1990, you know, we were doing building fireplaces. We were building stairs. We were doing this kind of stuff. Archways and stuff. Archways like that. and all of that. Nowadays, you'd be hard pressed to find a bricklayer that could do any of that kind of stuff. All of that knowledge is sort of gone. It's in books. And there's a few people that that might dabble in some of that stuff. I actually got a phone call maybe three months ago from a guy who was trying to track down a bricklayer to build him a fireplace out at Sanford. And he'd rung, he must've rung 20 or 30 people. And he got my number because someone said, oh, Steve used to build fireplaces. Cause I went through a stage where I thought, you know what? No one else is doing this. I'm going to build fireplaces because I can see I can make some money out of this and not only make money, it's an art form, yeah, you yeah. know, and the, you go walk around in any, any city and you have a look at the old brickwork on the churches and the brickwork everywhere. Yeah. And I'm just in awe because the stuff that I go, damn, I wish I could learn how to do that. And I could probably teach myself cause I'm pretty handy like that, but I'd love for a master to have taught yeah, me. Yeah. I'd love for somebody to do that, you know? Um, There's a guy on Instagram you should follow. He's called the traditional bricklayer. He's from London in England right. and he does all of the like, you know, like the old 
ancient houses in London that have yeah. like lived through the war and stuff, and they've got certain yeah bonds and everything. Of, yeah, like, and he goes in and does all of yeah, the and all that restoration it's, stuff. It's crazy, and he like hides coins in the in yeah. the mud and stuff for the next generation. And yeah, it's cool. It's awesome. Yeah, he's old school. I used to do some. I used to do some work in the city. Uh, it was restoring different people and places and things with old brickwork and stuff. And um, I used to just love it, you know, and learn to learn how to do it. But again, that was my original trade. And I dr I drank everything out of that trade. You know, I, I was a bricklayer. I was an apprentice. I was a bricklayer for somebody else. I ran my own gang. I went, okay, what do I do now? Well, I'm going to run 14 and 15 guys. I had a bricklaying company. I had friggin' I stitched up as much work around everywhere thinking that was success only to realize that I was losing money. So I went, you know what? I've done everything I can in that space. I was offered to go work in TAFE teaching bricklayers. I thought, Oh no, I don't want to do that at this store. It wasn't, it wasn't conducive with everything else I had going on. So, yeah. So when you've got, when you see someone that's good at their art, uh, when you're refereeing that it's fabulous. Like, you know, I, I refereed, um, Jake Lund against, um, can't think of his name now. George Mann. The no, I didn't recently. get to referee that. I would have loved to have because both. I know, oh, you were commentating. I was yeah. commentating. That's, yeah. that's the next step, you know. Yeah. But um, the um, I, I refereed George and some other guy at the Mansfield Tavern um, on Destiny some time ago. I think it was his first fight back. And he was looking so just on point. And this other guy had actually stepped up a weight division and shouldn't afford fought him. And I think he only lasted a round. Or oh, two. sorry, Jake, not George. Jake oh, yeah, Lund. sorry, Jake yeah, Lund. Yeah. Sorry, Jake. So Jake fought this guy first fight back. Uh, wasn't um, wasn't sort of in the same category and sort of just whatever else. And even just watching Jake then, you know, thinking, wow, you know, he's got he's really got control of his ego. His his he knows who he is. His whole presence is is really good. Um, he probably wasn't hurt as bad as he could. No, yeah. and I, when I was refereeing that, sounds bad. Probably taking it easy on him. And yeah, I'm not joking was. either. Yeah, yeah. He, was. he was. I think. I think he wanted more ring time. But I refereed that fight, and everyone was on the on their feet, you know. And everyone was whoa, you know. And every local hometown for Jake, and that that fight was really good. But as a referee, I didn't enjoy it because Jake was on fire. But his other, the other guy clearly wasn't in the same just category. Just survived. And, I, and that hum, humanity, the yeah. humane part of me is like, oh, just, just, just go down, mate. Yeah. Don't, you can't step yeah. in and stop the fight just because he's hitting you hard. But if he hits you 10 times hard and you can't stand, well, then I can, I can yeah. wave it off or I can give you an eight count. Yeah. So there's lots of fights that I've, I've refereed and, um, that one, Daniel versus uh, Gokan is just freaking intense. There's been some other really, really good fights and some really good titles that I've that I've uh, refereed. Um, when me and or Nathan actually fought on the same show, but I think it was a what was the first fight show at the Redcliffe RSL? Was that Adrenaline One? Yeah, Adrenaline One. Mate, that was the same. That was so packed to capacity with people screaming. That we, when we were we were fighting and just trading punches and the, the referee would jump in the center and we just didn't hear the bell. It was so loud. We couldn't hear what yous were yelling out to us. You could hear when you sat down on your stool and in between rounds, but it was so noisy and the atmosphere, like I lost that night, but the, it was 
one of the greatest experiences ever because the so fight that night. Ash Vander Vanderveld, right? Um, close fight, sure. but yeah, you just it's too long, just, too long, yeah, and too tall for you. It's got the better of me, but the actual experience of the just the walking out, the crowd just went bananas. You couldn't hear yourself think, and then in the fight. You know, and ours was just a back and forth slugfest pretty much. And the crowd were just going mental. And <laughs> like you, when I got home, like my ears were ringing, like, you know, like you'd been out nightclubbing or something because it was just, it was so loud with the crowd screaming and cheering and stuff like that. It was like, it was just epic. Yeah. Yeah. Look, that was, that was our first fight show and um, uh, that I put on. Uh, on that scale, you know, and um, I didn't know really what I was doing, you know, like I, I thought I did. I think the last fight was at midnight, you know, and we only had 12 fights on the night, you know, and everything went wrong and other whole lot. But, um, and I know. think from memory, Chad, Collins, Chad Collins might have even fought on that show. Yeah. Chad fought Tim Appleton and cut Tim Appleton with their three inch cut vertically straight up his, right. up, yeah. his, yep. up his forehead with an elbow. I can't remember whether there's that one or the next one, but um, that venue. So here's a, here's a good tip for you. If you ever want to make a venue or an event good, have a small event, a small venue, sorry, with a lot of people, which creates a lot of atmosphere. Yeah. I've been to places um, <clears throat> where they've had a large venue and had 1,500 people, but it feels like it's empty. Yeah where yeah. you can have a smaller venue where you've got 300 people and it's packed to capacity and the atmosphere is great. Yeah. I'd r much rather that. Yeah. So we've been talking about the evolution of this and that. So I'll just touch on that. So, um, so from being a, 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 a student to being a fighter, to being a instructor, to being a business owner and whatever else, to being a trainer of, of, I'd classify it as high level with, you know, athletes being Muay Thai and MMA, you can't dabble in that kind of stuff. Then I, I became a promoter. <clears throat> then I've done the refereeing and the judging. And then I've jumped into being commentating as well. You know, so over the, the period of time, the evolution of your understanding and your learning and your growth and your personal development and, and seeing the game more um, is, is what you need to do, you know. And again, I think the most important part is leaving that legacy of being able to pass it on to the next generation. You know, I've always had a go at you and said, come on, come back and do some training and teaching because you've got a lot of information there that you can yeah. pass on. And a lot of people that's not their cup of tea and that's okay. Um, you know, there's some really good fighters that can't teach. There's some really pitiful fighters that actually can yeah. teach there's guys that have never fought before that are great teachers. Yeah. Yeah. Just because you're, just because you're a really good fighter doesn't mean you're a good coach. No. So, and, and, you know, they're, they're the people that uh, we need to inspire the next generation, you know? So when it comes to running, there's heaps of good runners, um, but can you train the next generation? Yeah. Well, that's the thing for running for me, especially is just, my way of being able to stay in like competitive sports and be fit and healthy, yeah, you nice. know, without, without getting brain damage, you know, <laughs> I've had enough of that over the years. So it's just good 
you get you get the sort of thrill of competition you know at the end of a big training block it's similar to you know when you're training for a fight the last you know week you're not sort of get doing too much you're sort of tapering down a little bit and then you get that thrill of co- it's nothing like getting in a boxing ring like it's just it's, that's just the, that's the ultimate but you get it you get a glimpse of that feeling you know like gold coast marathon this year i woke up the morning of the race and i had that you know that feeling of like oh i'm about to do something really scary you yeah, know where you don't get that with just you know going day around to day. yeah and and i think that humans need that you need that thrill of um and that's and the same thing with training is like you need to do something that's scary to get the best out of yourself. I was just thinking that if you stay in your comfort zone, it's comfortable. You're never going to go anywhere and you yeah. need to put yourself in a place of to, to test yourself. So you test yourself by running the marathon. You test yourself by throwing yourself in the ring. You know, you can test yourself in a number of different ways, but if you don't test yourself at all, you're never sure what you're quite capable of. Yeah. And, um, and that's where if you're 80 years old and you're sitting on the rocking chair and you're making all the excuses to your great grandkids, oh, I could have been a world famous Muay Thai fighter, but you know, I had a dodgy knee or, or, you know, I, uh, I just couldn't get up out of bed in the morning or whatever. Yeah. Um, that if that's the way you want to live, that's the way you want to live, but that's certainly not, not, oh. uh, successful. People <laughs> I'd never want to, I never wanted to be that person. And that's why I like Thai boxing kind of saved my life because around that sort of 2006, 2007, I was battling, battling a bit of like anxiety and, a, and I was sort of gotten unfit, you know, it was the first time in my life I'd let myself get a bit fat and stuff. And then <laughs> when I found the gym, it, everything changed because all of a sudden I had a purpose again, you know, yeah. I had something to aim for. And then every week I was getting a bit fitter and I'm, I was feeling more mobile and getting a little bit stronger and I was able to do a few more rounds on the bags and stuff like that. And then once I started fighting, your anxiety goes out the window because you've got something to actually really worry about. Yeah, that's You know, right. in six weeks time, you're going to get in the ring and that's so scary. You don't worry about anything else, but as soon as you lose all that, and that was the same with when I finished once You've not got that sort of, and I think a lot of fighters deal with this. I talked to cameraman, um, Ryan Crawford about this yeah. too off air. And we were both saying that once you stop, you, you've not got that constant goal of something to be training for and life changes in it. And then you start to get anxious about stuff and worry about things where I think you, you've always need to have something to, you always need a goal to be chasing. Well, that's, that's right. I mean, you see it with footballers because they're in the news, you know, they retire and next thing, you know, they're off the rails or they've, you know, committed suicide or whatever else the case may be. And we live for that, not necessarily the adrenaline high, but we live for that competition high. We live for achieving something. We live for reaching those goals. We live for um, the feeling that it gives us and the purpose that it gives us. And when you get to, you know, 30, 40 and you can't 50 and you can't compete in those areas the same way, you just have to evolve and change the way you look at it. So I competed and, and, um, everything till I was about 30 and my body started failing me from being a bricklayer and all kinds of other reasons. So I had to evolve 
and I thought I've got I love this so much so I so I went trained to be a teacher you know and I've done and I've evolved and I've evolved. and there'll be a point in time where I'll be sick and tired of jumping in the ring refereeing so I'll sit there and I'll judge or I'll commentate more um but I'm still being able to give back you know and look I found it pretty uh I, I was feeling pretty chuffed actually because I don't I've been around for a long time. A lot of people know me, but I don't get in anyone's face and I don't really care for any accolades. But I walked out the back of the um, uh, the fight show when uh, Jake fought George just recently down at uh, Chandler. And I just walked out there to check gloves because uh, they just said, I'll go out the back and check gloves. I said, yeah, I'll, I'll do that. That's that's one of the little, the meaningless jobs, so to speak. Yeah. But I, I love doing it. Anyway, I walked through there and everyone's going, oh, hi, Steve, hi, Steve, hi, Steve, hi, Steve. And it's not because I'm super popular, super great, but everyone knows I've been around. I've I've earned their respect from yeah. being involved in the sport. Um, you know, Chad came up to me and said, "Oh, hey, hey, Steve, you know," and gave me. I think we took a photo, you know, um, and I took a photo with George and and Jake and all the rest of the guys. You that's, know, just because that's cool. You know, but you know, you rub shoulders with them all the time. You know, I stood there and chatted to Angie Parr for 20 minutes, sitting on the stairs, waiting on in between breaks, you know, um, and same because you've been in there and you've been involved. But um, unfortunately, sometimes people leave, you know, and then they've got no purpose. And then that's when, when trouble rises up, yeah. you know, the black dog start gets drinking, you know, and, you know, you're trying to fill that void. And some of the guys I looked up to when I was fighting and, and I was starting a gym, you know, I've seen them go and then come back, you know, and I've seen people go and not come back and do terrible things to themselves and, and end up in, in a bad way. But you've got to keep your eye on the ball. You know, what the ball is, it can change yeah. from being a, a student to being a fighter, to being a trainer, to being a promoter, to being a referee you know, what's next, what's next, what's next. Um, and you just want to wring the death out of it all. I'm trying to actually uh, get my way onto some of the UFC Australia fights at the moment. I don't yeah. even care if I'm just out the back yeah. holding a spit bucket. You yeah, know, I, yeah. I wouldn't care. That, that wouldn't bother me what I did. But um, I'm, I'm trying to sort of push my way there, through into that right, that's at the, the moment. That's like literally the, pin the pinnacle of combat sports, isn't it? Well, I got a guy that's uh, invited me over to Thailand and go and referee some stuff over Thailand that they're sort of kicking on over there. It's crazy stuff, but um, you never know. You can end up, so you might as well just keep going until you, till you've wrung it dry. Mate, back on the the subject of um of me staying involved, I actually tried to start my own gym a little while back, maybe a couple of years ago, yep. and I did a bit of coaching at a at a local gym, like an actual weights gym in North Lakes. Yeah. But it was too small and it just wasn't going to work. And I just said to him, oh, look, this is just the, the, like every time I got there, there was benches and stuff in the way. We had to keep moving it. And I was like, oh, <laughs> but I've looked around that there's, there is no local gyms, but there's no actual spaces to rent. I'd have to do well, what, you know, what you said at the start, I'd have to rent one of the halls. Yeah. And then you've got to set everything up. And well, it's funny because as I said, I've run a full-time gym since 2005. So we're up to 17, 18 years coming up in May. Um, and because I've moved and I live closer to Brisbane now, I've been looking down there for the last six months for a new space to start a second gym down there. And um, like you say, it's, it's so damn hard to find. Um, 
so I'm looking at, you know, trying to saddle up with another gym or whatever else, but um, that's the evolution of it too. You know, the um, trying to do that, you know, and like I said to you, some people aren't good at coaching or it's not their thing. You're not, you know, like I think you've got a lot of talent there and a lot of experience that, that is wasted doing nothing, but it might not be that you're a, a trainer or you have your own gym. It might be that you can find somewhere else to use that experience um, in other ways, you know, and, and then you've yeah. got to also not beat yourself up and you think, well, this is a stage of my life. You've got two young boys. Holy hell. I don't know what, you know, and you've got your own business going. So there's not, there's not a lot of spare time there, especially yeah. if you want to stay married, which I didn't, you know, <laughs> so uh, <laughs> that's, um, yeah, I'm, I'm I, coming from a good point there, but anyway. I think I spoke about this on the podcast like before, but that's when I was actually fighting, Tammy would say to me, that's the last fight, please don't do any more. And, I, <laughs> and I'd say, are you ready to have kids? And she'd say, oh, not yet. And I'd say, well, let me know when you are. I'm not stopping until then. Uh, look, I can remember conversations I had with Tammy years ago, you know, like, You'd be somewhere. She'd go, just just make sure this is his last fight, you know. <laughs> said, yeah, Tam, whatever, you know. And I remember coming over here to your house here, dragging you out of bed one, you know, a couple of mornings and come on, let's go. We're going to the fights and yeah, yeah. carrying on, you know. Yeah. Um, but look, that experience, th this is the thing. It doesn't matter what sport you're into. It doesn't matter what experience you've had. You can draw from anything you've done, the principles behind that and apply it to anything else. So the, the discipline aspect of martial arts, you know, and the respect, the loyalty, all of those kind of principles that we associate with martial arts should be in everyday life. I, uh, I live by the, the saying that if I say I'm going to do something, I'm going to do it, which is what I was taught when I was a kid by my dad. Nowadays, I find people you know, you're coming over for dinner or you're coming out or you, or you, you know, you're going to do, you're coming to training. Yeah. Yeah. I'll be there. I'll see you Thursday. And I don't see him for months. It doesn't upset me. It just frustrates me that that's not how I was brought up. And, and unfortunately the generations of today are, are a little bit different in their concept of, of uh, respect and discipline. So, but, but what you've learned out of martial arts and Muay Thai, you know, discipline, control, respect, you know, all of those things can be utilized as a parent, you know, yeah. you use those principles now to teach your two boys um, who have got just way too much energy as we yeah. saw before, but, um, yeah. you know, you use that, you use the same principles in, in, uh, in your building company. Yeah, exactly. You, know, you yeah. do everything. Totally and if you yeah. don't, if you don't, um, what you've actually learned, it's just yeah, what, not, a waste. what a waste of time. Yeah. And it doesn't matter whether it's you've gotten that from martial arts. It could be religion, you know, and this is, we could argue all day or discuss religion all day long. Forget about who religion in per se, but the principles you're taught in religion to, you know, love one another, you know, as Jesus said, or, or whoever and whatever else, if we live by them and took the religious connotation out of it and just said, treat other people nicely, wouldn't the, wouldn't the world be a lot yeah. better? 100%. you know, and, and respect and loyalty. And those things can be drawn from any of our experiences in life and put into any other future experience. Well, let's finish off on a really important thing that I wanted to talk to you about. 
I think just by nature, I'm an anxious person, but before, before fights in the gym, I was fine. I was confident. And then the day of the fight show, I was always a bag of nerves and you were re- you were always really good at calming me down. And I guess this, for anyone listening, whatever sport, it's always the same. You know, you can have guys, it's exactly the same in tie boxing, running, whatever. You can have guys that can run splits on a racing track and they can run, let's just say 70 second laps for the 400 and then they get to do, get to a race and they can't even run that quick in the actual race. And it can be won and lost with those um, pre-competition nerves. So like you were good at calming me down. What's some of the things that you've done with your like, I won't say fighters, let's just say competitors, you know, over the years, what's the best way to calm pre-competition nerves? Um, I think that there's, a, there's a, quite a few components. If you've done the work beforehand um, and you know you're, you're in, that, in, the, in the range of being able to be competitive and win, right, that's, that's, that's probably half of the, half of the battle. The other half of the battle is just trying to learn how to control your head um, from all the negative self-talk. You know, what about if I'm not good enough? What about if I'm not this? What about, you know, what about, and, and all of that kind of stuff. And what I did with you, and I tried to do use a blanket approach to all my fighters in the early days. And then I realized what I did with you didn't work for Liam or didn't work for Mitch or didn't work for Jacob or or whoever else there was. So I, I had to really understand each of the competitors, fighters, psychology. You would be so anxious about it that I'd try to distract you. So I had a couple of things that we used to do. So, you know, I'd talk to you about your breathing and reaffirm to you, you've done the work, you know, you've done, you can, you can do all this all day long, you know. Every time you feel like you're, you're exhausted and you can't go on, that's how they feel. Yeah. You're the, they're, they're the same. And so when you can, when you can try to bring your competitor down to your level and, and whatever you're feeling, they're feeling, um, you know, it makes it more human as opposed to this big scary monster yeah. out there that's going to knock your head off yeah. because you've got the capability of knocking their head off. Too. And, the, and the moment the bell rings and you start kicking and punching each other, you realize they're not the boogeyman. No, that's exactly They're just right. a human being exactly the same as you. I remember uh, there's a couple of fights I you'd probably remember better than I am where we'd literally turn up to a fight and within, you know, 20 minutes before the fight, the fight didn't happen because the other guy pulled out or whatever else. Yeah, or you know, someone slipped us so over out the back. Know, and, and Or someone's out yeah. the back vomiting, you know, or, or whatever else. And oh, I'd get a, trainer that'd come to me and go, oh, he's not fighting now. What do you mean? He's on the next fight. What do you mean? Oh yeah, he's not fighting now. What? You know, so I used to use that to, for you guys. I'd say, listen, fight's not even happened yet. And you've already beat yourself up. Don't worry about it until it happens. I think that's, that's our society too. We worry about all this stuff that doesn't even happen. You know, psychologists will tell you out of 10 thoughts, eight of them that we we have never actually um, come to fruition. We think about what about if I have a car crash today? What about if uh, the interest rates go up? What about if it rains? You know, what about if the, and most of them don't ever happen. And we worry ourselves with all this stuff that we've got no need to, because we don't even, and and I think living in the moment. So you would have a, you and I would go for a run 
it tests my knees from you know it tests my knees but yeah. you and i would get out there and go for a run every single fight i remember running along along the boardwalk at marulula bar i remember running down Klinger road at redcliffe i remember <laughs> running yeah. around you know all different places we go for a run which would which would calm you down but with you i would i would lower my voice keep you calm because that's that's what you needed other fighters I've, mitch for example i'd be like come and I'd really have to wind him up to get it, that fire going. Um, and then his ability would step in. Yours, you'd have to be calm. Then once you get in there, then you'd switch on. Yeah. So I don't know if there's a one size fits all approach to it, but as a good trainer um, in anything, you've got to understand that particular athlete. And then when you can understand what that person needs, you can get the best out of them. It took me a lot, and I did a lot of study in the background that you guys would never have seen of how to, to work with the human psyche to understand how to get the best out of them. And, and look, it taught me more than it probably I, I was able to help you guys. Yeah. Um, but it worked. It Funny, worked. when you said, uh, I remember you actually saying, like, what, what are you worried about? They got, your opponent could slip ass over and the, and the fight's not even going to happen and you're stressing about it and it's not even happened yet. Yeah. And I remember I was always thinking, geez, I hope he does. <laughs> I hope he falls over and it doesn't have to go ahead. Yeah. But these that's the that's the that's half the battle, isn't it? And that's just with all sports, is it's you've done the work, you've done the training. Yeah. The rest is psychological. And if you've done the training and you've done the work and you know you've done it, it doesn't matter. Even in your business, in your business, you go, Have I done everything I should have done? I didn't put that ad in or I didn't follow up on that phone call or that quote, or, you know, you know, where, where your downfall are and you've got to be really brutally honest with yourself. And that's where that we go back to what I was talking about before with the ego. And a lot of, a lot of people go, oh, I'm fine. I'm, you know, I'm great. Yeah. I don't need anything. You know, I had a guy recently walk into the gym uh, 12 months ago and said, Oh, I want to take a fight. I want to come and fight under, under you. And he'd already had 20 fights. I won't name him. But he, but I said, okay, so when's the fight? He said, three weeks. I said, you're not going to be ready in three weeks. And he goes, oh yeah, well, I'll be right. I said, well, how? He goes, oh, I fight on heart. And I said, well, heart will only get you so far. Yeah. So you've really got to do the work too. And he says, no, mentally, I'm just, I'm ready to fight. And I went, maybe, maybe that's okay. You know, whatever else. And he says, but I can only come in Tuesday nights because I've got to work the other nights. Oh, and, and I said, three weeks. I said, man, I, I really can't help you. Yeah. And, he, and I said, what's your record now? He said, oh, I've had 20 fights with four wins. I said, so how's it working for you? But he yeah. wouldn't stop to think and look at it and go, yeah, look, this is the stupid fight. Funnily enough, three weeks later, it's an MMA fight. I'm sitting cage side re judging this fight. He oh, so he did it. Yeah, I don't know who trained him. I think yeah. he was self-trained in the end. He walks in the ring. His opponent walks in the ring and I look at him and I thought, Oh my goodness. You know, I know the other opponents had three or four fights and I've refed and judged him. And I thought he's, he's pretty handy, but still no world beater. Anyway. So this guy's, I think he lasted about maybe under 30 seconds. The other guy just came in and went bang, 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 bang. And he just didn't have anything in the tank to cope with the onslaught of what this fit guy had to, had to give him. Yeah. And again, like I said before, Muay Thai and MMA, you can't dabble in that crap nowadays. But nowadays, even the amateurs are training five, six, seven, eight times yeah. a week. They're training two times a day. 
they're running 20 Ks. The standard is unreal. The gyms are so switched on. And we were that way too, back in those glory days that I'd like to call it when you and the boys were training, um, where we'd be so fit that I'd say train every week, like you're fighting every weekend. Cause we used to take those fights. I don't know if you remember, Liam took three fights in a month. Yeah. One of of them was sticks at Mansfield. Um, that was a week after he did something else. He won that one up at Mooloola Bar. Yeah. Um, you know, three in a month. I thought he was stitched up on that night too. Yeah. I thought he won that, but anyway, that's the way it goes. Sometimes you, the decision can be wrong, and you've just got to. Well, see, this is where soldier on. This is where uh, go back to an earlier point where I pointed out where it doesn't matter the win or the lose, as long as you know you put a hundred percent in and you've given it everything. Now. Someone goes for fights, gives it, it's a great fight. It's a split point decision. It goes to one way. The other guy loses his pill, stops fighting. And next thing you know, everything's lost, you know, and, and you see him on Facebook three years later and he's fat, overweight, beating his missus and he's in jail. Drunk, yeah. You know, yeah. because it's the ego thing of going, I must win to be successful. That's change your definition of success. Because that's not necessarily the definition of success. I would rather fight my heart out, put 100% into something and lose than go at it half-hearted and win. Because there's no lesson to be learned there. Um, and and it's, a false, it's a false security. I, I, would, I would intentionally never let any of you guys fight someone where I thought was an easy, easy fight. I never thought I, I I took those fights. I you had a fight that lasted first round at Redcliffe against Tony, and I thought Tony was a lot better on paper than he was. We all did. When we all thought he was going to. And he trained out at yeah. Iron Fist, and I thought, oh, you, you know, that's freaking, you know, he's he's going to be. I don't think it was Iron Fist, but it was someone from the south side. But he might have been Jimmy Shannon's. Yeah. And I thought, no, that's going to be a tough fight. And it didn't turn out to be a tough fight for you. But it wasn't one that I chose because I thought it was going to be easy. Mm. I think I told you I'd never choose an easy fight for you because there's no lesson to be learned there. Even that Australian title when I flew that guy over from Perth and you fought at uh, Eaton's Hill Hotel, yeah. that was one of your toughest fights I think yeah. you've ever had. Yeah, it was. And, um, he was super tough, super fit and super skillful. Yeah, but it made you step up. And you didn't, you didn't win that night, but you should have learned a lot of lessons out of that. And, and you could still quite comfortably hold your head high after that fight. Little side note on that, actually, I don't know if you remember this, but um, do you remember Jimmy who had a few MMA fights? Oh yeah. Jimmy Um, Yeah. Yeah. Shout out Jimmy. If you listen, Um, me and him were sparring probably two weeks before that fight, probably the last sort of sparring that we were doing. I think he was a Southpaw. Yeah, he was. But Left-hander. We, he kicked hard and I kicked hard and uh shins just yeah. clashed. And even through the shin pads, I thought I'd broke my bloody leg and um went into that fight with a, with a busted massive egg on my shin. And it actually never really fully went away. <laughs> like, I've still got it to this day. But I remember that we were hide we were mate. we were trying to hide it from him, from yeah. that guy who flew over from Perth at the weigh-in, I was trying to, you know, keep it covered so he didn't look at it. And then the first round, we're about 30 seconds into the first round, I threw a kick as hard as I could and he checked as hard as he could and it hit straight on that massive lump 
And I remember putting my leg down and I just was like, oh my God, because you don't normally feel your shins because of your adrenaline. And I looked him in the eyes and he looked at me and we both kind of had this moment where we sort of looked at each other and went, that fucking hurt. Like both of us, <laughs> it hurt him and it hurt me. And yeah, uh, yeah sorry, that just popped into my head when yeah. you were, when you're talking about that. But yeah, didn't win that one. But that was a that was a war. That was I think war. it was a split decision. You know, he he didn't have it all his own way. Like uh, no, it was it very close. It was um yeah. Look, they're the memories. They're the memories that you that you can walk back. You can go back and tell your kids, tell your grandkids. Use as as motivation to say, hey, you know what? I got something tough in my life now but i can overcome it and draw from the strength from the things that you've been through you know and especially when you again apply that discipline and that control and that respect and the, and the the motivation that you've that you've learned through training muay thai and every other experience you've had in the world you know um that's what true success is being able to learn from those things and use them to be more successful to get on top of it, to get on top of your anxieties you talked about, you know? So when you go back to talking about how did I motivate you guys, I use this effect quite regularly. And I used to say, well, how are you going to feel when you're 80 and you're sitting on that chair? Look at Steve. I know you're right. Okay. I'm just going to do it. You know, some of you's worked on that. So it worked for you on that. Some of you's um, I'd say, okay, well, you know, I remember talking to, I think it might've been Mitch or Josh. And I said, mate, if you go out, come out of here with scars, it was a f- full tie fight. You come out of here with a scar and you've got stitches, chicks dig stars. <laughs> You'll get to pull a lot of chicks. <laughs> yeah. And that was enough to get them, you know, cause, cause you know, I'm tough, you know, and girls love that, you know, that's, that might be their perception, you know, whatever it is. So you just got to find what motivates everybody individually and push those buttons, you know, yeah. Um, you'd have the ritual of, of of wearing certain clothes and bits and pieces and all of that kind of stuff. You remember that, you know, and um, and and one of your mates that passed away. Yeah, and, that's right. Know? Yeah, yeah. So I used we used to we have used to, to use take the t shirt with me and yep. yeah. So you know, all of that sort of stuff is 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 a trainer understanding the fighter and trying to you not not use it and leverage it, but use it to motivate you to get the best out of yourself. Yeah. Because ultimately, I, you know, I used to tell you is I'm in the ring there with you, but I'm not. It's your it's your journey. But I'm in the corner seeing what you can't see and I'm trying to give you direction on how you how you think. Um, it's, it's some of that philosophy that I've learned through martial arts and how I've ad- developed that in teaching, training, you know, getting in the mindset of fighters, getting in my own mindset, you know. Um, and it's a daily battle sometimes. Yeah, it sure is. It's an ongoing journey. And and that's the thing. It it is those things you've learned from when you were fighting 10 years ago, probably more relevant to you today than they were 10 years ago. Yeah. Because you use those things now to help you in all your endeavors in the future. Yeah, um for and, sure. and and the lessons you learn, whether you play team sports and you're and you're in that kind of environment in a business environment. Or um, whether you're a, a single athlete running a running a, a race all on your own, you know, and you've and you find yourself in a in an environment like that with business or work or family or wh- wh- however that works, you've just got to have the same discipline, control, and s- respect and self-respect, you know, um, to just keep going. We were saying before we started, both of 
<laughs> you and me love a chat, so this could go <laughs> on a bit, but we should wrap it up about there. We've been going a while. Yeah, no problems at all. But mate, thanks for coming over and um having a chat. It's been, been a long been time. Great. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's, it's great, mate. And look, you know, and we've been through a, a whole lot of stuff. Um, and as much as as you've you know, you've learned from me as a trainer, I've learned from you. Um you know, and, and the things that I've seen and learned about myself in the process of training yeah. you and teaching you and throwing you in the ring and has been, um, you just can't measure that kind of stuff. That stuff you can't buy, Yeah, you know, exactly. um, and people nowadays want to buy stuff. You know, if I've got money, I'm going to go buy this. I'm going to go buy that. But the stuff that you just money cannot buy, I don't care what people say. Yeah. You're dead right. But uh, thanks for having me on. Appreciate it, Steve-O. And um, look forward to catching up again soon. Yeah, mate. Like I say, you've just you got to start your own. The uh, the martial <laughs> arts about, and MMA. Talking about it for ages. But, yeah, you uh, can do it. I've got, a, I've got a few other irons in the fires everywhere. Yeah. So I've got a few things that you mentioned before we I started. Said before we started, you're like a man spinning plates. <laughs> There's always yeah. like five of them going at the same time, eh? Yeah, there's a few things going on there. So, uh, but look, that's that's again, unless you're disciplined, you can't do that kind of stuff. You've got to got to try to. I'm not. I'm saying I'm perfect or uh, got it together completely, but um, it's uh, certainly a challenge. But um, you just got to keep moving, motivated. Yeah. Push forward. Learn. Learn from what you've done and use it in the future. Awesome. Appreciate it, mate. I'll talk soon. Legend. Thanks, Steve. Catches.